Okay, with that, it is my honor to invite uh, our testimony speaker of tonight, Brett. Could you come up and get a chance to just talk about what the Lord has been doing in, in his life? What's up, guys? Well, I want to, uh, yeah, I want to tell you guys a, a story, something from my, from my life that's really, uh, yeah, that God just used in an amazing way and really ties in with the message tonight. So this was a couple years back, actually. Um, I was in a relationship with a girl, and, and it ended really poorly. And it, it really put me in a place of, of hurt in my heart. And I remember having a conversation with the Lord about it. I was like, God, I'm in such a place of pain. And one of the clearest times the Lord ever spoke to me, he said, you can walk this out with me, and it will be hard, and it will still hurt, but I will keep you from bitterness, and I will keep you in me, and I will use it to build you up into something that you've, in, in a way you've never been built up before. And it, uh, it occurred right as summer was coming, and I, I ended up going back to Detroit, where I'm from, for the summer. And, and I, I didn't take the path that the Lord asked. I, I let bitterness foster. I, let, I lived by my pain. And I was in such a place of just woundedness. And, and that was all that I thought about. It was all that, was, that my eye was on. And it took me on this, this road that whole summer of just wandering around in pain. And, and I made no progress in the Lord. I, I got grayed out and cooled down in my faith. And, and it was no good. And the Lord in his mercy, he brought me back. And, and he, he stoked that fire again. And, uh, and this past um, October, uh, I actually was in another relationship. And that also ended. And it was, it was in a similar way. You know, it, it was very unexpected. And, and it was in a, I was in a place of great pain. But this time, I remember what the Lord had said, and I planted my feet on the solid rock of knowing him, and I did not live by the pain that I was feeling. I lived by what I know to be true. I did not let my pain and my circumstance change who I was, but I set my eye upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ in me, and I was able to walk out the pain that I was feeling with grace, and I made strides in the Lord that I had never before, and it it really speaks to a lot of what Ryan's saying. Jesus went into the desert. His circumstances were not good. He, was, he had no food to eat, no water to drink. And yet in 40 days, he was tempted in every way. And he came out in the spirit and power. And he did not do what the Israelites did, wandered for 40 years and died because they said, it would be better for us. It would be better for us. All they saw was themselves. That's all they saw. But Jesus saw his purpose, who he was created to be, and the people that his life was laid down for. And that took him in a place of walking in spirit and power. And he says, do the same as I did. Do the same as I did. In the desert seasons, when circumstances are not speaking to what God created you to be, you listen to God instead of your circumstances. Because that is the solid rock. And that will lead you through life with grace and you can have joy in the midst of great suffering in that place. And I just want to close with the, the verse out of Revelations, Revelations 12, 14, um, or 12, 11. It says, um, I'm kind of blanking it. I remembered it. <laughs> yes, they, they overcome. The enemy is who they're talking about. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because they love not their own life, even unto death. Even unto death. Church, are we ready to lay our lives down, be willing to die? And in that place, we can overcome all things, all things, through Christ who gives us strength. I'm going to pray a sin. 
Yeah, Jesus, we want to be that laid down for you, God. We want to follow your example and come out of our desert seasons in spirit and in power and not in weakness. Because, Lord, you give us the grace to walk that way. So we just say yes, God. We say yes to who you've always created us to be, laid down lovers of you. And we say bring all the grace that we can handle, Jesus. Bring it all because we want it all. In your name, Lord, we worship you.
Jesus, we just thank you that you're in this room tonight. Holy Spirit, we invite you even more into this place. Yeah, I just pray right now that every ear, every eye, every heart just be open to receive exactly what you have for us tonight, God unique things that you have for us to take away, I just pray that every single heart in this room is open to receive it. That we would walk out of these doors at the end of this night knowing you a little bit more, God. Knowing your heart and knowing who we are in you. Yeah, so we just say, Holy Spirit, come even more. Invade this place. Invade this space. Invade our hearts. <laughs> and do what only you can tonight, Jesus. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you guys can have a seat. 
Awesome. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Worship Bank. Can we give it up for them? Well, what's up, everyone? My name is Ryan. Thank you so much for coming out. This is the first encounter night of the semester. Can you raise your hand if this is your first encounter night ever? Okay, a couple people, about like five. Awesome. Thank you for coming out. Yeah. Uh, we love to do this because we are from the Vineyard Church. We're a little different from some of the other ministries. Not better, just different. Uh, we're from a church, and we, so we want you guys to see our church. We have our main services uh, across the, the alleyway, across just over there. <laughs> you can go check it out by the bathrooms. Um, but uh, yeah, we got pizza coming tonight, but we just love worshiping here. Something always happens in this space, just a little different, and uh, we just have a little more time and freedom just to kind of go after it. So I'm going to give a message, and I'm going to get out of the way, and we're going to do some cool things uh, after that and have an awesome worship time. So I just want to say um, in the next set of worship, I just want to say be free. Spread out. Lay down. Take a nap if you need to. <laughs> um, come up front. We're going to have communion. But there's just freedom in this place. So take advantage of just be you. Um, if I haven't met you, I would love to meet you. I'm the pastor here at Alive. We have some awesome leaders uh, that will be over by the pizza as well after the service. I would just love to meet you. So please uh, come and say hi. Um, well, if this is your first time, we are in a series. We're going through the book of Luke. And this is our, our third week of the semester. And Luke was, just a re little recap, Luke was wrote by a dude named Luke uh, for his buddy called Theo. We're going to call him Theo. Um, his name's Theophilus, but I like Theo better. Uh, I don't think he would mind. I hope not. Uh, if he does, you can tell me when I get to heaven one day, um, and I'll apologize. Um, <laughs> but he wrote this book. Uh, it's a gospel of Jesus. Luke was known as a physician, as an investigator. This dude didn't live with Jesus, but he interviewed people. He turned over rocks. He did the hard work to find the concrete evidence of why we believe. And he wrote this letter to his friend because his friend in the church that he was a part of was struggling in their faith. There was persecution. There was hardship. And if you've ever been at a point like that in your life, whether it was with your faith, whether it was with a relationship or anything, I think an encouraging text, an encouraging phone call, or, or a letter of, to remind you of why you believe in what you believe is so important. So as we continue to look through, we're going to go through chapter 3 and 4 tonight, whether this, you've been with us the last two weeks or this is your first time, listen to it as if someone was writing you this letter, aka God was writing you this letter, McKenna, to remind you, this is why we believe. This is the evidence of why we believe. This is the stories of why we believe. This is the stuff that happened that inspires us through the hard times to keep believing. So with that, will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I just thank you, Father, for just the blessing and the honor it is to gather each week with students from the U of I in Parkland, for, for people who are, who've become friends and family, that we get to encounter your presence. God, I just pray that you would speak your living word to me and through me. And my heart and my hope and my prayer is that my friends leave inspired. Not inspired by Ryan Otto, but inspired by you, Father. So I pray that you would come and do what only you can do. That people wouldn't have an expectation or a hope to hear a good message or to hear something from me, but to encounter you. 
That they wouldn't come for the awesome worship band or good music, but they would come for you. Even through the pizza, God, let them encounter you as they eat that pizza. So we just pray that you would saturate, we just pray that you would saturate this place, saturate everything that happens tonight for your fame, for your name, and for your glory and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, if you were with us two weeks ago, uh, and when we were in Luke chapter 1, we heard two stories about a story about Zechariah and a story about Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph. And there was two stories. In these stories, each of them had little babies that were being born. One was named John, and one of them was named Jesus. And last week, we heard a lot about Jesus, and I hope every week we hear a lot about Jesus, because that's kind of the reason why we have a live. But this week, I want to start off talking a little bit about a dude named John, because we didn't forget about him. And John is known as John the Baptist, and he's all grown up now, just like one day all of you are going to be grown up. And I'm, I don't know about me, childlike heart. Um, but Aaron, you'll probably grow up. You're pretty grown up already, right? <laughs> She's like, why are you calling me out? <laughs> see, this is what happens when you sit and I can see you and I know your name. So if you don't want to be called out, one, sit in the back or just don't introduce yourself to me. <laughs> so this row, you know, it's like when you go to SeaWorld and you're like in the splash zone. <laughs> That's what, you know, you're just in the, you're just in the Ryan zone. <laughs> um, that's why Micah's all the way back there. I can't even see him, but he's somewhere in here. <laughs> um, so we're, we're looking at John. John is all grown up. And has anyone heard of Todd White before? Todd, yes, a lot of you. Okay, if you don't, you can YouTube him. He's basically just this crazy, amazing, radical man of God. He has dreadlocks, and he just wears clothes that no one else can wear, but he makes it look cool. So, um, but man, he is this awesome, radical man of God. He's in documentaries, and this dude just will go anywhere God's calling him to do. He doesn't really worry about being polite or in your face. He just listens. If God says pray, he prays. If God says speak, he speaks. And, and so I kind of feel like John the Baptist was like Todd White on steroids. So it actually says that besides Jesus, John the Baptist was the most, the holy, most holy person that have ever lived. So that just sets the stage about how awesome and radical and just how much faith this guy has. So his job, he was actually Jesus' cousin, his job and his calling and his mission, this dude knew the reason for the season. He knew why he was alive. We talk a lot about mission and purpose and what our why is in a life. This guy knew it. He got it. He knew it. his job was to prepare the way for the Lord, that he would go and he would preach the kingdom. He would tell people to repent because the kingdom is near, because the king is near. And he would go to prepare the way. And he didn't really care if people liked him or didn't because he knew what his mission and his calling was. And I just want to share a small part of his story. We're looking at Luke 3, verse 15. And he was so radical and such an amazing man of God, people started to wonder, is he the Messiah? Was he the living God? We've never seen a man that's this holy. We've never seen a man this radical. We've never seen a man this full of love and faith that he doesn't care what people say because he's sought after, running after his heart for God like no one ever has before. Is this the living God? And he says this in verse 15. Or this, uh, the people were waiting expectantly. They were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be Christ. 
And John answered them all, and it's going to be on the screen, and it says this. I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. <laughs> the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to touch or to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I believe that's very important to know about John, that John was this amazing man of God, radical, full of faith, and he was known as the most holy person that's ever lived. But that doesn't even come close to who Jesus is. And he didn't care. He didn't mind. In another gospel, John the Baptist says, more of him and less of me. And his humility, but yet his passion and his drive and his why in life inspires me so much. But what does this mean that he baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire? Oh, and does that mean people caught on fire? What does that mean? I don't know about you, but that would freak me out. I don't want to catch on fire. One of my favorite shows, I just saw, never mind, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but that would be scary, right? I mean, unless you have like superpowers and can control the fire. But I don't want to be caught on fire. What does that mean? And so I asked the Lord, Lord, what does that mean? I want, if we're meant to be caught on fire in the Old Testament, God was referred as this all-consuming fire. The pillar of the cloud, you know, would rest on people and this, this fire would come. You know, we even look back in Genesis when God first spoke, um, or not first spoke, but spoke to Mo Moses, um, not in, man, not in Genesis, in Exodus. And uh, he, he, there was a, the bush became on fire. There's so much resemblance and symbolism from God to fire. So when he says he prayed with the Holy Spirit in fire, what does that mean? I think that means that this passion, that this love, that this drive inside of you that will never quit, that will never die, that literally burns your heart so filled with his love, that that's the fire of God. That that's a passion of God. That that's a presence of God living in you. Have you ever loved someone so much? Or love something so much that no one would ever take it away from you? That you would die for that person? Or you would die for that thing? Maybe it's a dog, maybe it's a pet, maybe it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a parent. Maybe it's a sport. I don't know what it is. But have you ever loved something that much that no one or anything would take that away from you? I think that's just a metaphor to help you to understand a glimpse of what is the fire of God. Right as we sing, fire fall down. I remember one time I was graduating from seminary and all my friends were around a fire. And we started singing that song. And my little brothers and sisters were around the fire pit and they're like looking around like, what? Fire fall down? Like, that's weird. What the heck does that mean? And I explained to them, I said, it's saying, God, let your fire consume my heart. Let your love consume my heart. Let me be sold out, surrendered to you. Let me love you so much that I live my life for you, that I know my why, that I'm not afraid of what people think or what might happen to me because I'm so on fire with you. I, I remember when I played football, and again, this is just a metaphor, not to say it's the same thing, but I remember playing football one time, and of course I gotta talk about football, but you know, I just going through the motions, and I didn't really love the sport. I was just doing it to do it. And I remember my senior year, I'd pray, and I'd say, God, give me that eye of the tiger. Give me that eye of the tiger. Give me that edge. Give me that passion that when I wake up, I get out of my bed, at least for football, I knew the reason I was getting up. And now I pray that for my life. I don't want to go through the motions anymore. 
I don't want to live for what other people tell me to live by. I want to have that fire of Christ burning within me. Because I promise you guys, when you live for him and you live with him, it will be the best adventure you have. And even on your hard days, you're going to get up and you're going to say, it's a new day. It's another battle to fight. And yes, people will say hard things about you. Things will happen. But guess what? God will be there. He will be there and he'll surround you with other people to be there. And you live this life together for a deeper, stronger, and more important reason and passion than you've ever had. So when we say that he would baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with fire, I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that. And maybe, just maybe, I'm believing that God might give some of us that tonight and hopefully all of us. It might be a little flame or a big flame, but let us look more like him. Let us sound more like him. Let us live more like him. And I promise you'll wake up and there will be a fire in your belly, a fire in your bones, a passion to be alive, a passion to live because you know who you are and you know what your purpose is in this life. So after that, it's this amazing story. We hear John is baptizing people. And in verse 21, it says this, and feel free to open up your Bibles or open up your phones or just listen. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he, as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit ascended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven you are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. You are my son. You are my daughter, who I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Can you just close your eyes for a second? You are my son. speak that over you, friends. Because I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that. You can open your eyes before you fall asleep. <laughs> and I love that story so much, and I don't want to get into politics or theology of who needed it more, but you know what? I don't think it was just spoken for the people. I wonder if there was just a part, even a small mustard seed part, of Jesus that just needed to hear that. I think Jesus fully knew who he was. And even though we know who we are, or you know, you know, Anna and David, you know you guys love each other, but if you never said it to each other, reminded each other, that'd be kind of hard. And it's so sweet when we get that reminder. Anna and David are married, that's why I'm using their analogy. They're, they're the only married couple here, so I get to talk about them a lot because they're really cool. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah to that. <laughs> but I love that. I love that story. And I just wonder, I just wonder if God didn't just say that, Hannah, so the people would hear it, but also so Jesus would hear it. And then after that, it says this in verse 23. Now Jesus himself was 30 years old and he began his ministry. And he was the son 
and he was a son, so, so was thought of Joseph. And I just love this. There's a, a whole list of names. I'm not going to read through it. But this is important, and I just want to touch on this for a second. That when you were 12 years old, you started your apprentice, apprenticeship in the Jewish culture. And when you were 30, you were allowed to work. You were allowed to do what you were called to do. So Jesus was 30 years old. He was the son of God, and yet he humbled himself to learn, to listen, and to be an apprentice. But when he was 30, he started his ministry. And again, we're reading this as a letter. We're reading this as a letter, Haley, to remind us that this stuff is real, that this stuff happened. I don't know about you, but imagine someone would try to doubt one of your family members or one of your friends, right? You'd be like, no, like, this is their dad and their mom, and this is their grandpa, and this is their great-grandpa, and this is the story of their life. And he traces it all the way back to King David and even Adam and Eve themselves. And he says, Theo, remember, this was real. It's real. It happened. It's not a myth. Jesus was real. And friends, it was 2,000 years ago, but he came. And he will come again. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. Sometimes I wake up and if I'm having a bad day, I just imagine, what if we just woke up, we're on our way to class driving, and suddenly we just hear the trumpet sound. We hear the trumpet sound in the sky, and we look up and we see this bright and shining light. And this amazing someone we love, we might not even recognize, but we love riding on this white horse coming down and everything just stops. You don't go to work you don't have to go to school. Everything just stops. I love thinking about that. And it doesn't scare me. It excites me. Because we never know when he's coming back. And I want to be ready. I want to be excited. Whether he comes back here or I go there, we never know how much time we have. But I hope whenever we're called and whenever that day happens, our legacy, Eric Ortega, is how we lived for him how we lived with a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning. And any frats or sororities, I love frats and sororities, that's not a knock, any sports teams, any jobs could ever give us. Because it's about him, Hannah, not about us. And I just love that in chapter 4, these, these, these chapters are so tied together. So Jesus was just baptized. He was affirmed by his father. A voice came down from heaven. That would be awesome. And then it says this in, in chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, because he was baptized, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into, into the desert. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. All right, let's just stop there for a second. So Jesus was just baptized. God in heaven spoke over him, how he loves him and, and, and how he's well pleased with him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He probably always had the Holy Spirit. I don't know how that all works with him because he's God. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're not going to even try to figure that out. You can ask Brett if you have questions about that. Um, but the same spirit leads him into the desert where he was tempted for 40 days by the enemy and he didn't eat. Whoa, that doesn't sound fun. Chris, does that sound fun to you? No? <laughs> Owen, it probably sounds fun to you, but it doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> Owen's like, bring it on, let's do it. <laughs> um, but that, that sounds miserable. But guys, this, this happened. And I just wonder, 
What is Luke trying to remind Theo? Even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense in your brain, even when everyone disagrees with it or doesn't tell you, listen to that thing inside you. Listen to that compass that God's given you to guide us, to direct us, to lead us. And sometimes he's going to lead us in uncomfortable places. He's going to have us make hard decisions, Lauren. He's going to have us stand up for things when no one has our back. But guess what? He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's molding us. He's preparing us. He's growing us to help us be the men and the women, the sons and the daughters, the army, the ambassadors for Christ that he called us to be. This isn't always easy, guys, but it is worth it. He leads him into the desert. He was tempted. He was tested. And he didn't eat for 40 days. And it says himself, the son of God. He was hungry, Kyle. He was hungry, Weston. He was hungry. I don't think it was comfortable. But yet he listened to it. I wonder, what is God calling us to do right now in each and every one of our lives? What's maybe a hard decision that we know we need to do, but we don't want to? But will you trust him and listen to him? Because I promise when you come out on the other side, you'll be thankful that you went on the journey. You'll be thankful you went in the desert. And I love another translation that says, even though he was tempted and he was tested, he was not alone. There was angels with him. And he promises us. We will have hardship in this world. We will have hardship in this life. But he will always be with us. And I don't know about you, but that's a great promise to hold on to. So he's led into the desert. And in verse 3, it says this. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, just listen to that. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him into Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left until another time. We read this story, but wait, I thought Jesus was in the desert. He was just led to Jerusalem, though. How was he in the desert, but then in the city of Jerusalem? And I just wonder if the desert in this, in this Bible, and I don't know, and I don't want to go there for sure, but I wonder if it wasn't just a physical place, but it was a place of testing, of trial. You know, Many saints that have lived, they say in our faith, we go through a season of the dark night of the soul. And that basically means kind of we get out of that toddler stage where we feel the love and feel, feel the, the good vibes from God all the time. And we go through a season of testing, maybe like the teenager years. But in those years, we find out who we are because we truly find out who he is. 
we find out who we are in him and who he is in us. I love to feel the presence of God. I love to feel the love of God. I love it. I'm a worship junkie. I love it. But if I just live for feeling alone, guys, I will live a lukewarm life. I have to know him deep down, not just when I hear that I love you, you're my son, I'm pleased. I have to know that when the storm is raging and the waves are in my face, people are saying things about you, things are going wrong, you have to remember the truth. You have to remember who he is and who we are in him because that is what will get you through. I don't want to just rely on feeling. I just, I love the feeling. I don't want to just rely on the people that he's blessed me to have in this life. I love those people, but I want to rely on him. And it's through that time of testing. We know what we're made of because we know what he's made of. And I just love this. I mean, I don't love how the enemy tempted him, but I love Jesus' response. He says, if you are the son of God, how many times does that happen? If you are really you, Joey, if you are really you, Vitor, do this then. Prove to me that you're a good soccer player, Vitor. I don't think you're a good soccer player. But here's the thing. If you really know you're good at soccer, you don't need to prove Jack to me. No one's going to tell Kyle Howard that he's not a good worship leader. No one's going to tell Leah that she doesn't have a good voice. She's going to be like, get away from me, please. Like, she knows. Like, they know. Like... (laughs) She's going to be like, do you listen to the live podcast? Like, go listen to it and tell me that. (laughs) You like that little drop about the live podcast I just did? That was good. (laughs) But when we know the truth, we don't need to prove anything. If I'm being honest, it's usually when I'm insecure and unconfident that I feel like I have to prove something. But how does Jesus answer? He doesn't let it get to him. He doesn't let it rock him. He answers with truth. He answers with the word of God. Man does not live on bread alone. Get out of here. Don't tempt me with that stuff. I don't need to prove my power to you. I know who I am because I know who my father is. I know the reason I came. It comes back to our mission. If we know who we are, we know our mission. If we know where we came from, we know who we are. So the devil then tries at something else. He comes at a different angle and he says, Okay, well then, I'll give you, all right, you won't prove to me, you won't do the spread. Well, then I'll give you the world. I'll give you the best cities. I'll give you Jerusalem. He comes at us, and he, t- he attacks our identity, but then he attacks the promises of God that we already have. He wants us to take a shortcut. He wants to say, hey, I'll give it to you. Jesus already knew he was going to have all that. Jesus already knew that he was the king of the world. He didn't need this little, this stuff from the enemy. He knew that this is his kingdom just like in heaven. And one day he's coming back riding on that horse and this place is going to be heaven. Because he, he knew that he came and he sent us to come prowl of so that we make this earth like heaven. Because that's our job. That's the reason we're really alive, to bring heaven to this earth. To love people like he loves. To be his hands and his feet. To be his mouthpiece and his heart. He didn't let the enemy get to him. He knew what was his. And he wasn't going to take a shortcut. He wasn't going to cut in line. He wasn't going to take the easy road. He was willing to wait. Come on. So then the enemy tries one more time. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to use scripture. I'm going to use scripture and I'm going to twist it and I'm going to turn it. I'm going to try to use what you're using against me against you. But it still doesn't phase him. 
And this time, he doesn't just attack Jesus and his identity. He doesn't just attack the promise that has been given to Jesus already, but he attacks the character of his father, of our father. He says, well, if God is really who he is, then fall off this cliff. If he's a good father, he'll protect you. He'll rescue you. He'll save you. It even says in the Bible that angels will guard you at all time. Have you ever thought about that? Has that thought ever came into your mind? Well, God, if you're so good, why is this happening in my life? Well, God, if you're so good, why, 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 why? I know I've thought that. He tried to convince him that his father wasn't good. But when you know something's good and something's, someone loves you, true love, it bears all things. It believes all things. It endures all things. It doesn't fail. <laughs> when there's truth, you can't, a lie has no power when you know it's truth, unless you give it power, unless you let to start to believe it. When light's shining, dark can't overwhelm it. And when something's dark and you turn on the light, the darkness is gone. Don't think about it too hard, Hannah. Just believe it. <laughs> you can give me feedback about that later. <laughs> he said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He said, I don't need to test him. I know who my father is, Vitor. I don't need to test him at all. I know he's the real deal. He answered in truth because he believed truth. Man, I love that, guys. Because if the enemy came at Jesus that way, you know he's going to come at us that way. He's going to try to attack our identity, who we are, the promises that God has spoken over our lives. And most of all, he's going to, I have felt this my whole life. Have you not? I've, in my whole life, he's tried to make me think that God doesn't love me, that God's a strict God, that he's not for me, that he's not with me, that he's always disciplining me. I've thought that my whole life. But that's not the heart of my God. Yeah, he disciplines those he loves, but he also puts his arm around us, looks us right in the eye and reminds us who he is and reminds us who we are, and that he's patient and that he's kind. And he'll be with us every step of the way. When we know his true heart, we know him. So after that, Jesus then leaves this time, these 40 days, and he returns to his hometown. He's probably excited to see his family, excited to see his friends. He's excited to start doing the stuff, to finally start it. He's been waiting 30 years. He goes through the testing, the trial period, and he's ready. It's go time. It's game time. And what happens? He goes home, and in verse 18, he's in the temple, and he, someone hands him a scroll, and he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery at the sight of the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, and gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. That's what I call a mic drop. Even before they had microphones. But that was a mic drop. <laughs> that was a scroll drop. <laughs> Be like, what? <laughs> yeah. 
And then, and then everyone in the synagogue was, was just amazed. They're blown away. But then they say, wait, this guy's amazing. But isn't he Joseph, the carpenter's son? Wait, he can't be anything special. Like, we saw him grow up. He's been working on our kitchen table for months. Gosh, if he was something special, he would have it done by now at least. <laughs> I'm just making that up. <laughs> That's so cool. I just got this picture of, like, Jesus in heaven laughing. That was so cool. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Seriously, he's, he's so cool. I just, I'm totally off the track. I just love, sometimes I just lay in bed at night, and I just imagine getting to see him the first time. I just imagine him having a football and says, right, go out, post route. What? Oh, Jesus! <laughs> oh, I love it. Man, that's how I fall asleep at night. <laughs> and then I hear the like, door creak. I'm like, whoa, whoa, he's coming in, and I get all scared. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, where am I? Uh, where's Naomi? Gnomes, where am I at? You don't know. Where am I? All right, there I am. Yep, all right. And so he, uh, he gets, he get, guys, he gets rejected from the people that he thinks he would be believed in the most. He comes to his hometown excited, pumped up, knowing his mission. Maybe his brothers and his sisters, his mom and his dad and his friends are going to come with him and they're going to do this thing. Have you ever had someone that you thought would have your back? And instead of faith, instead of support, they sowed seeds of doubt? They sowed seeds of judgment and criticism? Man, that hurts. That hurts a lot. And guys, we're not just going to be tested by ourselves. It says his flesh was hungry. He didn't want to go where God was calling him to go. We're not just going to be tested and tempted by the enemy. But we're also going to be tested and tempted by other people in this world. But I just love Jesus. He knew the reason for the season. He knew his mission. He knew why he was sent. And even though the people that he loved the most, the people that he spent his whole life didn't believe in him or support him, it didn't faze him. I don't know about you, but I would have been, I would have been rattled. I would have been like, wait, am I really supposed to do this? I was just gone for 40 days. Do, do I really think I know who I am? Am I really supposed to, to do this? When faith speaks to you, there will always be doubt trying to knock on your door. But as we talked about a couple weeks ago, will you listen to that doubt or listen to that faith? And I love this. After that, as we kind of close, Jesus really hits the scene. And he just doesn't talk the talk, but he walks the walk. He read the scroll. He preached. He shared who he was. And now he shows something about it. And I love in verse 31, Jesus drives out an evil spirit, says. And basically that someone has an evil spirit, and yes, that does exist. But it says in verse 32, they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority about Jesus. In verse 33, it says, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of the voice, Ha, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what is this teaching? And here it is, guys, verse 39. 
What is this teaching with authority and power? He gives orders to the evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. I know that's kind of a, a weird story for some. And we might not see that all the time. But that stuff does exist. But I don't want to get you caught up on that. I want you to get you caught up on that. When he spoke in the way he lived, he had authority. And it wasn't just authority in his words, but authority and power with his life. It says in Romans that the same spirit, the same life, the same love, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. And that when you guys speak hope to your brother and sister who has depression, when you speak hope to someone who is feeling suicidal, when you speak hope to someone or truth to someone that doesn't believe it and know it, do we believe that our words and our hearts and our lives has authority and power? We love the saying, free people, free others. Well, guess what? The more we become free, the more we can help free others. And it's a lifelong journey. Every day, are we going to become free or are we going to be boxed in? Are we going to listen to the world, the enemy, ourselves, or are we going to listen to the spirit living within us? Are we going to say, take me to the desert if you need to take me to the desert? Because I want to go where you're going. Because I know my mission, I know my purpose. And I want my life to have authority and power, Grace. That I, I pray this all the time. Lord, let me be someone that just doesn't talk the talk, but that walks the walk. Let me be someone that lives for you, that loves you when people are looking, and most of all, when no one's looking. That's the real test, Eric Ortega. That's the real test, guys. And I failed, and I still do fail, Michael. But he picks me up. He looks me in the eye, Liam. He reminds me who I am by reminding me who he is. And guys, it's hard. It's not always easy. I remember when I was in college and I, after I got saved, I went back to Bowling Green and I, I partied a lot. But after I got saved, I was different. There was an inner transformation. But all my friends still live the same way. And it was a very hard year, and I came back home that summer, and I, I, I dug deep into the word of God. I got mentored by some awesome men of God uh, that were a little older than me, like we have coaches here. And I got poured into, I got discipled. And a week before I was supposed to go back to Bowling Green, I don't want to say it was an audible voice, but it was one of the most clearest times I've ever heard God. And he said, Ryan, this is your last chance to stop being a follower and start being the man I've called you to be. And Caleb, I was scared, man. I was scared. What does that mean? What do, you, what do I need to do? I knew if I went back to Bowling Green, I wasn't strong enough. I would continue to fall into the things that I was falling into. That I needed a change of scenery. I needed to venture off for the first time in my life and not just listen to my friends, but choose who I want to be. What, who do I want to be? What do I want to make this life about? And I remember I went, I went home to my mom and I, I was just sobbing to her and saying, Mom, please let me come home. I can't go back to Bowling Green. I can't. This is my last chance. And, and, and you know, she, she was understanding, but my stepdad didn't want me to come home. And, and my friends at Bowling Green thought I was crazy. I was popular. I had roommates. I had a lot of friends. What are you doing, Rye? Why are you leaving? It's your senior year. And I didn't have the strength at the, the moment to tell them. But I knew within God was calling me into the desert. He was calling me back home. And when I listened, life got real, real fast. I, I, I got up. I took an RTA bus downtown to Cleveland State every year, every day. 
I had to get a, a real job, a real life job. But I started working with at-risk kids that were one step away from, go, to, from going to DH. I got, a, I got an opportunity to start coaching high school football for the first time in my life, which you know excited me. I got an opportunity to start becoming a mentor in the youth group at my church back home and start pouring into high school kids and a passion and a purpose in my life. Even though my family doubted it and my friends thought I was crazy, I listened to that small voice that said go. And I'm so thankful because I've never looked back. And he's taken me and done things in my life that only he could do. That people hear me speak or look at my life. And I'm not saying this to boast, guys. I'm saying this because if it can happen to someone like me or no one like me, it can happen to someone like you. And they say, who is that guy? That's not the Ryan Otto we know. And they say, you don't even talk the same when you're up there. You don't even look the same. And it could be the best compliment I could ever get. Because I know it's the spirit of God living in me. Because I am broken, I am flawed, I make mistakes. I've made mistakes with probably many of you in here. I don't want to be known as a great preacher or someone that was perfect. I want to be known as someone that loved God and that listened to his voice and was surrendered to him. And if he said go, I'm going. If he said stay, I'm staying. It drives my bosses nuts, but I tell them all the time, I can't commit to here. Because if God says move somewhere else, I'm going. At the end of the day, I don't think I'll be judged on the preachings or the sermons that I said. But I hope I'm remembered by the way I loved him and the way I loved you guys. Except at the end of the day, Weston, that's what matters. That's my purpose, to inspire and help others know that you're loved, that you're born for an amazing reason, David. That you're not out of the club, that you're known, that you're believed in, and that your life matters. And I just love the, the final story. After Jesus delivers this guy, then a, a someone comes to him and his daughter is deathly sick and has a very bad fever. And he goes and he rebukes the fever. And band, if you guys want to come back up, that'd be great. So Jesus bent over and he rebuked the fever and the fever instantly left her. She sat up at, one, at once and began to wait on them. And in verse 40 it says this. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, de demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and that they would not allow, he would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. And in verse 42, it says, at daybreak, Jesus went over to a solitary place. The people were looking for him and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. And here it is, guys. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns because this is why I was sent. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God because this is why I was sent. People wanted him to stay. People wanted him to be comfortable. He, he, was, he was doing awesome. He was in the thrive of his ministry. He was on the upcoming. He was the next all-star. He was really popular. People loved him now. He said, this isn't the reason I came. 
I didn't just come to heal. I didn't just come to deliver. I came, I came to preach, a.k.a. live the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's J-E-S-U-S. It's hope. It's love. It's that one day, whether he comes back, whether a meteor hits the earth, whether we go to heaven tonight, that our lives aren't over. That our life has purpose and it has meaning. Because he who knew no sin became sin for our sake. That God loved us so much, Drew. He saw us at our worst moments, but he said, you're still my son, you're still my daughter. I still believe in you. That I'm gonna send my only son to die on the cross for you. I pray that, that story never gets old to me. This wasn't just religion, it was real life to Jesus. He knew his purpose, Megan. He knew his passion, he knew his calling, and he wouldn't let anyone stop him from that even success. We start with a story about John the Baptist who knew who he was because he knew who his father was and he knew the reason that he was alive. And we end with Jesus saying, I must go. I must live the reason that I was sent here, that I was created. I don't know about you guys, but I want that passion in my life. Not just when I'm up here with a microphone, but when I'm having a bad day, I want to wake up every day knowing the reason why I'm alive. So I ask you tonight on this encounter night, wherever you're at with the God, with God, whether you know him or you don't, whether you think you do, you've grown up in church, or maybe you know him very well, but you want to become closer to him. Will you open your heart to him? Will you open your heart and say, God, fill me with your fire. Fill me with the purpose and the passion of my life. I don't want to just go through the motions. Let me be a woman and a man after you and after your kingdom. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for my friends right now. that you stirred my heart, Father. When I was going out to bars, getting drunk, I was living a life that I shouldn't have been living, speaking in ways I shouldn't have been speaking. But yet you kept pursuing me. You kept seeking me. You kept showing me that there's more to this life. God, even now, tw 12 years later, <laughs> I have the dream job of my life. I am in love to engage to be married and surrounded with amazing people in my life. But yet there's still things that you're knocking on the door of my heart saying, Rye, you're better than this. Rye, I want to, there's more for you. 
So God, wherever we're at, I pray, Father, that your fire would refine our hearts. That we would not know law or religion, but we would know hearts and we would know love. That we would know you. And that every day of our lives, we would live knowing our reason for the season and our purpose and our passion. And if we know that or we don't, God, I pray that you would awaken our hearts to help us know that more. To help us know you more. And when the enemy comes and the trials come, let us respond with the living word of God. Not just what we know in the book. We love the book. And help us know the book, but help us know the author who wrote the book. And let us live with this living word of God on our hearts and in our mouths and in our minds. That we would be people who free others. So, Father, I just ask you to humbly meet us here tonight. Change us from the inside out, God. Inspire us. Like our older brothers, John the Baptist and Jesus. And let us live every day of our lives for you and for him. In Jesus' name.
Jesus, thank you, Father, for this intimate spot. God, I just thank you, Father, that we get to know you more when we seek you more. And I thank you, Father, that you gather us together to remind us what you did. That we don't just come here to learn, but we come here to celebrate. So God, I just pray that wherever we're at with you through this song, before we go into communion, that we would truly seek you. And that you would meet us here.
me about communion is that the Lord and, and in the message as well he said man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God and it's interesting that he used bread and wine he used he used food and drink things that we need things that we desperately need and he was saying you need this my body, my blood, more than you even need bread and wine, more than you need food and drink. This is the, forget about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, guys. This is the one and only need in your life. 
And it strikes me also that it's such an intimate thing. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. What is he saying? He's saying, you're like me. You have the same flesh as me. You have the same blood as me. We are family, you and I. So Lord, as, uh, guys, as you, as you take this tonight, reflect on that truth. Let that sink down in deep as you taste the bread and the, and the, the grape juice, not the wine. Let that sink down deep, that truth, that you are like him. You've been made like him. He says, you are like me, and you and I are family. Yeah. Yeah, guys, so when you guys come up, we're gonna break the bread and we just invite you to dip it into the juice. But the band's gonna sing a song called Abba. And I just ask you during this song, before you come up, just ask the Father to remind you who he is. Ask him to show you really who he is, really his heart for you. Miranda, this is for you. We all need to be reminded who our Father is. Some of us who have, have dads that reflect him really well, and some of us don't. But I believe he's going to meet us here tonight in a special way. And when you're ready, we invite you to come up. Everyone's welcome. No one's forced.
Guys, we just want to bless what the Lord's doing. We just thank you so much for coming out tonight. The band's still going to play a couple more songs, but uh, we kind of like to have fuzzy endings on these nights. The pizza uh, is here, should be here in like five minutes. So stay as long as you want, or at least another half an hour or so. But uh, we just bless what God's doing. Thank you for coming. Thanks for being a family. If you don't know someone, get to know someone. See a lot of new faces. It's awesome. Girls right here. And we just, uh, we want to be a family and do this together. So feel free to stay or go as you feel led. Enjoy pizza. And we hope to see you next week as uh, Kundai Mugabe is going to bring the word. So God bless, guys. And uh, soak, soak, and worship as long as you want until we kick you out at least. Thanks a lot, guys.
you're so faithful. To me, that's where we're at. And I thank you that you're the king of our hearts. And that you, you love us so much. And that you're never going to leave our side. You're never going to let us be alone in the desert. You're going to be right there with us. Shadow where I hide, who answer for my 
you that you're always good, that you're always faithful, that you're calling us to be world changers. You're calling us to go out and share the kingdom, share the good news that you have saved us, you've rescued us, God, and that we are empowered to go by your spirit. And God, I pray for my family in this room. I pray that when we leave here, we don't just leave here the same, but we leave here completely on fire, completely set apart for your kingdom and your glory. So I just thank you so much for tonight. And I thank you for the lives that are going to be changed forevermore for your glory. You're so worthy, God. You're so good. Time and time again. Bless my family as they go. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for worshiping with, with us tonight. Yeah, come on. And we have about ten more minutes, so... Go grab some pizza.